in and week out. So thankful for them. Yeah, all, all year long, they, they're back there um, taking turns, so so thankful. I'm wondering if you have a choice to make uh, this Christmas. And I have that up there because I'd, I'd really like you to be thinking about your life as we read these texts of Scripture. I, I think you'll get the most out of this if you're thinking about you and you're thinking about the choices that you may have in front of you. Because I think we can make choices out of fear, or we can make choices out of faith. And so if you were to make the choice out of fear, it might help if, you're, if you can think of the choice that's in front of you, um, what you'd be afraid of. So for some of us, it might be afraid of not having enough. And so you might be tempted to compromise or make sketchy decisions because you're afraid of not having enough. For some of us, it might be afraid of being alone. And so you'd make choices you shouldn't make because you're afraid of being alone. For some of us, it might be being afraid of what other people think and what other people will do. And so you'd make choices that you wouldn't normally make because you're thinking about what they will think and you're afraid of what they will do. For some of us, it might be we're afraid of losing control and we are going to do whatever it takes to make sure we feel like we're in control of a given situation. I'd like you to think about your life and I'd like you to be thinking about what choice you could make based on fear and what choice you could make based on faith. And so it might be, if you're afraid of not having enough, the faith would be to say, but God is enough. If you're afraid of being alone, it might be to say, but I'm not alone because God is with me. If you're afraid of what they will think, then you might be telling yourself, but it's more important what God will think. If you're afraid of what they will do, it would be more important to say, but what really matters is what God will do. If you're afraid of losing control, it might be reminding yourself that God is ultimately in control. And I'm just saying, if, yeah, I'd love for you to be thinking about your life while we go through this and thinking, am I making these choices based on fear or based on faith? What am I about to pick and how am I about to pick? What am I picking right now based on fear or based on faith? So what we'll see today, I'm just kind of telling you, I'm showing you my cards here. What we're going to see today is we're going to see Ahaz make a choice based on fear. And he'll compromise, and it will be sinful. And Isaiah the prophet comes to him and pleads with him to not do that. Isaiah the prophet comes to him and pleads with him to make the choice based on faith. And this is, by the way, the first Emmanuel passage. This is the connection to Christmas. You'll see it as we go through it. Then we'll see a second case study. The second case study will be Joseph, as in Mary and Joseph, Joseph. Joseph, if he was living off fear, you'll see this, he would just divorce her quietly and go on with his life. If he does what the angel tells him to do and bases it on faith, then he will marry Mary and adopt her son. So we're going to see fear, and we'll see faith, we'll see King Ahaz give way to fear, we'll see Joseph make decisions based on faith, 
And the whole time, I'd like you to be thinking about your life. You'd be thinking about, what would I do if I was living out of fear? What would I do if I was living out of faith? Okay? So what we've been doing is we've been working through um, a series called Christmas Gifts. And we have opened the first gift back in the first Sunday of December. And we saw in Matthew 8, chapter, uh, chapter 8, verse 17, that Jesus came to take our illnesses and bear our diseases. And that is the gift of taking, as he takes the curse and takes sin on himself and offers us hope and healing. I can't re-preach that this morning, but that was the first gift in the series. The second gift is his authority. And we saw that in the second half of chapter 8. And then we saw in the first narrative in chapter 9, we saw Jesus um, forgive sins. And he, uh, that's the best gift. And now we're on the fourth gift, and I won't ruin it for you. We'll, we'll get through it here as we go. But before we read the text, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray that you would meet us in your word today. Lord, that we would not give way to fear, but we would choose faith. Lord, stand in front of me while I'm in front of them. Talk over me while I talk to them. Do this for your glory and our sake and the world's good. In Jesus' name, amen. So I'd like to start with you uh, in the prequel to Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. So we will end up in Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. But I like, like I say, I like to do the prequel, you know, the, the backstory in Isaiah chapter 7 first. So Isaiah chapter 7, and we'll see the first case study of King Ahaz. So Isaiah chapter 7, verse 1 reads, In the days of Ahaz, now these are three titles for the Ahaz. So this is all the same guy. Ahaz, who was the son of Jotham, who was the son of Uzziah, king of Judah. So um, before Ahaz's time, Israel split between the southern kingdom, which is down here, and the northern kingdom, which is up here. So Solomon had a son named Rehoboam. Under Rehoboam's reign, the, you had the southern kingdom and the northern kingdom. Jerusalem is right here. It is part of the southern kingdom part of Judah. That'll be important in a second. So in the days of Ahaz, son of Jotham, son of Uzziah, king of Judah, Rezin, king of Syria, so you can see Syria up there in the map, uh, north of the northern kingdom, Rezin, king of Syria, and Pekah, son of Remaliah, king of Israel. So it'd be super confusing if I didn't already tell you Judah and Israel had split, and so Israel is part of the northern kingdom, Judah is the southern kingdom, and so these two nations now are teaming up against Judah. You'll see that. Came to Jerusalem to wage war against it, but could not yet mount an attack against it. When the house of David was told, so David is the southern kingdom, that's where the line of David's kings remained. When the house of David was told, Syria is in league with Ephraim, the heart of Ahaz and his people shook as trees of the forest shake before the wind. What's that code for? Fear. They're really scared. 
really, really, really scared. Hey, you would be too. I would be too. You have other nations coming in. What's going to happen to our wives and our kids if those other nations come in and win? Unspeakable things. So they're, they're really afraid of those, other, of those other nations. And part of the reason King Ahaz is afraid is they want to come in and set up a puppet king to help them, help, help them, these other two nations, in their fight against Assyria. Because Ahaz wants to be in league with Assyria. I'll show you a map of that in a second. And the Lord said to Isaiah, this is the prophet, Go out to me, Ahaz, the king, you and your son, there's a note in your ESV study Bible that Shir Joshub means a remnant will return. Imagine naming your kid a remnant will return. You name your kid, it's going to be really, really bad, and then it will get better. You name your kid, most of us will die, but some of us will come back. There's judgment and hope in the boy's name. And the Lord said to Isaiah, go out and meet Ahaz, you and your son, Shir Joshua, your son, at the end of the conduit of the upper pool to the highway to the washerman's field. So probably Ahaz is out there looking at his, wa his water supply for the coming siege. There's going to be a siege, or there already is a siege. He's checking out the water supply. And Isaiah is told by God to go say to him, be careful, be quiet, do not fear. Remember, remember the arrows I showed you in the beginning? And how fear, does fear lead to good decisions or bad decisions? You know, an ungodly fear, a self-centered fear, will lead to bad decisions. And so Isaiah is saying, be careful, be quiet, do not fear. You'll see Joseph face fears too. That's the reference there in Matthew chapter 1, verse 20. Be careful, be quiet, do not fear, and do not let your heart be faint. He tells him, you need to stand in your faith. Please take courage in the Lord. Please do this. Because, he says, these other nations that you're so afraid of, God will destroy them within 65 years. And if I may has, I'm going, 65 years is a long time, dude. But God is not in a hurry. And God is not making promises that he's not going to keep. God's saying, you, what you need to do is you need to not give way to fear. You need to stand firm, even though it's going to be hard for a long time. You need to stand fast. And if you do, I will take care of you. But at some point, Ahaz makes the choice to trust in Assyria rather than God. So Assyria is the nation that these other two nations are afraid of. At that time, King Ahaz, this is in 2 Chronicles 28, sent to the king of Assyria for help. And so this is what, exactly what he was not supposed to do. He's here. Israel, the northern kingdom is here. Syria, the other kingdom is here. These are the ones attacking Judah, trying to get them to put a puppet king in place so that they can all fight Assyria together. The king of Judah says, nope, I'd rather just side with Assyria, this giant, terrible nation that is coming in and destroying everyone. I'll just, he just takes money out of the temple to pay off Assyria. Can you see how there's not a lot of faith in Yahweh in that? And look, I'm just, I'm just going to be vulnerable with you I'm not sure I would do a lot better. I'm not sure that I would. Like, I'm thinking, if Assyria is coming 
I'm thinking of what's going to happen to my wife. I'm thinking of what's going to happen to my kids. I'm thinking of what's going to happen to all of us. And, and you could start listening to the voices in your head telling you, we have to make hard decisions. We have to protect the families. We have to protect, we have to make decisions that no one else would want to make in order to keep everybody safe. And so you start talking yourself into terrible compromises. I, I don't know. I don't know how it would do. At some point, Ahaz makes this call. I don't know if he's made this call yet or not. So we're back in Isaiah chapter 7 now. And Isaiah wants to help him stand firm in his faith. You see that in verse 9. He said, Isaiah says, if you are not firm in your faith, you will not be firm at all. You're going to end up compromising. You're going to end up losing everything. Please stand firm in your faith. And so to help him stand firm in his faith, Isaiah comes to him and says, why don't you ask for a sign? Ask for anything. As low as hell, as high as heaven, ask for anything you want to ask for. Because you're under a lot of pressure, and God wants to help you. He wants to help your faith. And Ahaz gets super pious, probably because he's already decided he's going to ask Assyria for help, or because he's already done it, and says, I'm not going to ask for a sign. And Isaiah says, you're going to get a sign. And he says this, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. And he says, before this boy comes of age, these two nations that you're super afraid of, I'm just continuing on in the story without reading all, every inch of it to you. Before he comes of age, these two nations that you're super afraid of, they're going to be decimated by Yahweh, and then Assyria, who you trust more than Yahweh, is going to come in and decimate you. This, this first prequel of Emmanuel, the sign of Emmanuel, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel, was one of judgment. But also of salvation because a remnant will return. It is trust God, please trust God, or there are dire consequences if you don't. And so here's, here's, here's the picture I want to show you of this. Ahaz had a choice. He could choose between sinful compromise with self-centered fear of I have to control everything fear of like if I don't compromise and I don't figure this out, then our nation will be destroyed and bad things will happen to me and mine. So he decides to make this sinful compromise. And remember, Isaiah came to him and said, what you need to do is you need to trust the Lord. You need to trust the Lord. And what that looks like is just this terrible time of waiting. We're talking about Ahaz. Also talking about you. Have you thought about you? The choice that you might be making? The choice that you might be faced with? There's, you can compromise have to control everything. You can give way to fear or, or you can wait on the Lord. Or you can trust or you can take the action that God is calling you to take, whatever that might be. I don't know what your situation exactly looks like, but, 
but you do. I mean, you're living in it right now. So there's, there's our first case study, the case study of Ahaz. Now, the case study of Joseph. What you're going to see when we go through Joseph's life, as I explained earlier, is Joseph has this, he's faced with this choice. He can give way to fear and divorce her quietly, or he can choose faith and do what the angel tells him and go ahead and marry her and adopt her son. Let's see how Joseph does, and as we look at Joseph's life, you'll be thinking about your life. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place this way. This is, now we're back in Matthew chapter 1, obviously. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place this way. When his mother, Mary, had been betrothed to Joseph. So there's a note there that legally um, pledged to be married, betrothed. So it's a much more serious form of engagement or a legally consequential form of engagement than we have today. But they were not married yet. They were, they were betrothed. Before they came together, so Matthew is very insistent and will say many times, you'll see this again and again, I was really struck by this, this time through it was how many times Matthew reminds us that Jesus was not conceived in the normal way. Matthew says this again and again. He points this out. You'll see that as we go. Before they came together, Matthew's like, not conceived in the normal way. She was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Not conceived in the normal way. He says it twice right there. Not conceived in the normal way. This was biologically God's baby. And her husband Joseph, being a just man, unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, so he's thinking about how to divorce her quietly, and he's thinking about, man, I didn't think she was like this, and he's thinking about his future and what it will hold, and he's sorting it out. Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. Do you see the connection between this passage and Isaiah? Where fear is the enemy of making the right choice. Where fear would make, lead us in the wrong decision. Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Like, hey, wait, 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 stop, stop. Not conceived in the normal way. This is God's son. This is biologically God's son. She will bear a son. You shall call his name Jesus. For he will save his people from their sin. We saw last week that sin is our biggest problem. A lot of us think we have big problems, and a lot of us would point to a lot of different people in our life as our biggest problem, or situations in our life as our biggest problems, or our health is our biggest problem, or lack of wealth is our biggest problem, or this or that or the other is our biggest problem. Sin is our biggest problem. And Jesus offers us forgiveness of sin, which is the best gift, which is the solution. He will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. So now we're back to Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And when Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, 
but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son. Like, wait, 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 stop, stop, stop. Not conceived in the normal way. You see that again and again and again? This is biologically God's son. And he called his name Jesus. And by naming him, it is symbolic of him adopting Jesus as his son. He marries her and he adopts her son. Okay, so what do we need to know about God to not give way to fear, but instead act in faith? What does this passage tell us about God that will help us not give way to fear, but instead act in faith? Well, what did God tell both Joseph and Ahaz? Do not fear. And what did God tell him about himself? I am with you. So Jesus is the fulfillment of that promise in Isaiah chapter 7. And Matthew, it's, it's clear that Jesus is God with us. So if there's one thing about God that you need to know to answer your fear, it's that Jesus is God with us. And he came to save us from our sins. Please get that. Like if, if you're so afraid of being alone, I mean, and a lot of, like Christmas time is a time to feel alone. Because some of us are alone, completely alone at Christmas. We go home to an empty house, and we're alone, and we feel like we're alone. Some of us are alone even when we're with our family. We feel incredibly alone, like we got stuff that they don't know about, that we're carrying around. We feel alone we're with the extended family. We're in crowds. We feel alone. What you need to remember is that Jesus is God with us. He is with us. You are not alone. He is with us. Jesus is God with us. So, so this passage has made this point by emphasizing again and again and again that Jesus was not conceived in the normal way because he is God. He is God's son. And so this kind of, you, you see this at the climax of the book when Jesus is dying on the cross for our sins. The Roman centurion sees the whole thing and declares out loud, truly, this was the son of God. This is a theme that runs throughout the book that Jesus is God and that he is with us. So, so that's how the book ends too. Like it's how it starts with the naming of Jesus Emmanuel it's how it ends, and the Great Commission is, Lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the age. And if that's the King James, I'm sorry, I learned it in Awana when I was young. So, Jesus is God's Son, and he is with us to help us on mission. Man, you are not alone. He is with us. You're not alone. Hey, why don't you just say that with me? Just say, I'm not alone. Ready? I'm not alone. Why? Because he is with us. Because he is Emmanuel. Because this is true. You're not alone. You're not alone. You're not alone. He is with us. So, he is with us. Now, here's the thing. What we saw from Ahaz and what we see in Matthew is that he is with us for salvation or judgment. For salvation or judgment. So for salvation, he is here to save us from our sins. So that's, that's his mission. You shall name his, verse 21, she shall bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus because you're going to marry her and you're going to adopt her son. 
Any questions? No, I didn't think so. Go ahead and do it. For you shall call his name Jesus. He will save his people from their sins. Like this is what Jesus came to do. Save us from our sins. And so the book tells the whole story until Jesus dies and rises again and tells us to go and make disciples. He then promises to be with us because we're not alone. So he will save us from our sins. And how does he do that? By giving his life as a ransom for many. You kind of see this throughout the book. This is a big theme of the book that gets introduced right here. He is with us for salvation. He is also with us for judgment. I mean, the judgment is a theme that runs through Matthew as well. If we have a choice to make about Jesus, you have a choice of whether or not to surrender to Jesus throughout the book of Matthew. And these are high-stakes choices. Because to reject Jesus is to invite damnation and hell. Like this, please don't reject Jesus. Please don't just dismiss Jesus. Please don't say, oh, I'll get to that later. Please don't do that. You know, not every choice in life is pass-fail. But some of them are. You know, a pass-fail choice or a pass-fail test, I should say, because in school you get a lot of pass-fail tests, like um, as either you pass the test or you don't, and you get credit if you pass. It's kind of like if you turn it in, you get credit. If you don't turn it in, you don't get credit. Like you're taking your driver's test, be pass-fail. Either you pass it and you get your license, or you don't pass it and you don't get your license. Either you graduate from high school or you don't graduate from high school. There's not a, well, he kind of graduated from high school option. You mean either you do or you don't, right? And so, but most of life isn't that way. I think once we get through school, there's not very many tests in life that are pass-fail. A lot of stuff is kind of this strange curve spectrum type thing. So, so you think of like your health. You can be more healthy or less healthy. It's not pass-fail. Most of the time, I mean, it's not. You can, be, you can be more healthy or you can be less healthy. Think of like financially. It's not really pass-fail. Like either you're better off or you're worse off. It's not really pass-fail. You think of like with your marriage. Either you're better off in your marriage or you're worse off in your marriage. It's not, it's not, most of the time, it's not really pass-fail. But look, whether or not you surrender to Jesus is pass-fail. Whether or not you give Jesus lordship of your life is pass-fail. Salvation or judgment hang in the balance. It is pass-fail. This is why Jesus came preaching in Matthew chapter 4, verse 19. Jesus came preaching, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. I'll talk about what repent means in a minute, but kingdom of heaven is at hand holds both salvation and judgment. Because when God returns and asserts his rule, there will be salvation and judgment. So what we should do is repent. So this is the point, is we want to repent. Repenting is turning from sin. So if sin would have us moving in our direction, we would repent of that or turn from that and move in God's direction. And so we would give God our whole surrender, give God our whole life. And so we would turn from sin to obedience after we receive Jesus as Savior and Lord. So turn from sin to 
obedience. And, and you can think of how fear would lead us towards sin and faith would lead us towards obedience. But we're, we're going to trust Jesus as our Lord and Savior. So as you think about your life and you think about the choices that you're making, maybe you've been thinking about that kind of the whole time as we've gone. What is the Holy Spirit impressing on you that you'd be in danger of choosing fear rather than obedience, rather than faith? What would, what would God have you move towards in faith? His presence with us is this uh, fourth gift, that he came, he came to be with us. This, this, is what, this is what we think of when we see Jesus in a manger at Christmas time, as he came to be with us. He is Emmanuel for salvation or judgment. He came, he came to be with us. So I hope, I hope as we have walked through these two passages about God being with us, these two Emmanuel passages, that you, that you choose faith rather than fear. If fear would lead you away from God and lead you into a path of disobedience and lead you into destructive choices, faith, faith will lead you in the other direction. I was talking to a friend of mine who does a lot, a lot of pastoral counseling. A lot of pastoral counseling. And he said, I just wouldn't believe how many people ruin their lives, ruin their marriages, making choice after choice after choice based on fear, trying to control people, trying to manage people, trying to control every situation, trying people ruin their lives. Because they're afraid. Or you can have faith. Please choose, choose faith in the God who is with us. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you that you sent Jesus to be our Emmanuel. Lord, I thank you for the forgiveness of sin, and I thank you for eternal hope. Lord, I pray that you would pull us towards yourself. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.